From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. During Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, Susan G. Komen is encouraging Asian American women to prioritize their breast health and get regular screenings. Breast cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death in Asian American and Pacific Islander women. Although Asian American women in the U.S. have similar screening mammography rates as Black, White, and Hispanic women, they have more delays in follow-up care after an abnormal mammogram than white women. Today's guest, like many people, never imagined that receiving a breast cancer diagnosis was something that could happen to her. Eating healthy and being aware of the risk factors and overall health has always been a part of her lifestyle, and she even serves as the general counsel of Susan G. Komen with no breast cancer in her family history. And yet in April, 2021, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Here today to share her story and the importance of regular screenings and mammograms is Eunice Nakamura. Eunice, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam, glad to be here. Well, I'm really, really glad to talk to you. Um, So let's, let's dive in, let's start with your breast cancer experience. What type of breast cancer were you diagnosed with and what did your treatment look like? So in April of last year, I was diagnosed with hormone positive, HER2 negative, stage two breast cancer. And so taking aside the staging, that's the most common type of breast cancer. I believe 80 something percent of breast cancers are the type that I had. Um, My treatment consisted of, I did what's called neoadjuvant uh, chemotherapy. So I did 16 rounds of chemotherapy before surgery. Uh, Then I had two lumpectomies, And actually the first lumpectomy was successful, but certain hospitals look at um, margins and my margin wasn't exactly, I guess it was on the borderline. So my surgeon just wanted to go pull more tissue. So we did a second lumpectomy, which was clean. Um, And then that was followed by 33 rounds of radiation, which I finished in March of last year. So about a year's worth of treatment. Um, and you know, now I think I've been done with treatment for about seven, eight weeks at this point. Wow. I mean, so you just got done with treatment. I mean, I'm curious, like, how does that feel? It feels great. You know, it's, it's good to be done, but I think like many women who've gone through this, I think once you're, uh, diagnosed and have gone through, you know, what I've gone through, you never really are done because obviously we're always monitoring making sure that, you know, there is not recurrence or your doctors are constantly monitoring you. So I'll be going in twice a year, uh, going forward for, uh, screenings and mammograms just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then, uh, that was sort of your, your breast cancer journey. So how did you originally know something was wrong and, and sort of what was that process like? Yeah, I actually had no idea that I had cancer. Um, until I was getting dressed one day and I actually just happened to feel a slight lump while I was getting dressed. Um, and even then it wasn't an obvious lump. So, you know, my husband and I both, we were like, Oh, don't know what this is. Let's just go get it checked out. So that day I called my primary care doctor and she told me to come in. Um, she even thought that, you know, it probably wasn't cancer, but you just never know. Let's go, you know, get you, you know, screened. And then I went in the next day or two, um, got my ultrasound, my mammogram, and then turned out it was cancer. And then, you know, it was a quick kind of process from there with biopsies and schedules of 
doctor appointment after doctor appointment. So that's how I found out. Wow. And so, so I know sort of all this is very fresh in your memory. And I know also that you were working at Komen when you found out about this. You're working in the breast cancer space every single day. So I'm, I'm just curious, like what were the emotions like when you received that diagnosis and sort of the follow-up from that? Yeah. I mean, whether or not, you know, I was working at Komen, obviously just the diagnosis itself, I'm sure I went through all of the stages that a lot of women go through just in terms of shock, disbelief, um, things like that. And then, you know, once I was able to digest um, the information, probably within several weeks, and after I had gotten my full diagnosis and put together a treatment plan, then it was one of, um, in a strange way, thankfulness that I happened to be at Komen, right? If I'm going to go through this journey, you know, how, what are the chances that I'm going to be working at one of the world's leading breast cancer, you know, charities during my own journey and having the support system that I did. Mm. And, you know, as many people know, uh, my boss, who's the CEO of Komen, she's also a breast cancer survivor. Yeah. Uh, my assistant, she's also a breast cancer survivor. And we, you know, I'm surrounded by people that are either survivors or have been touched by breast cancer, which is why they work at Komen. So I just had the biggest support system um, and our scientific advisory team. They are the brightest minds of breast cancer. So to have that resource to have a sounding board, you know, just to get um, second opinions from about my treatment team, it was one of gratitude, frankly, once I was able to go through kind of the emotion of disbelief and shock and all of that, um, it was actually one of gratefulness and gratitude. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine the level of empathy, the level of support and, and just raising you up um, at a place like Komen would just be just unbelievable. So I'm, I'm glad that that part of your experience was, was at least a, a good one. And so I understand, yes. I think I mentioned this in the intro. Uh, that you do not have a family history of breast cancer. And so I think, I guess th that made it even more of a surprise. Is that right? Yeah, completely. I do have a family history of liver cancer. So we've always been very vigilant about, you know, liver cancer, mm -hmm. um, but no history of breast cancer. And in fact, when I got diagnosed, I'll, I did the genetic testing. I don't have any genes. I don't have BRCA or any other genes related to breast cancer. So it was a complete surprise. And I would say we were blindsided that if anything, you know, it would have been a different type of cancer, but certainly not breast cancer was anything that we would foresee. Yeah. Wow. So, so let's talk a little bit more about your family. I understand that your parents immigrated to the U.S. from South Korea. Talk to me about growing up in that culture. I mean, was disease and sickness something that you talked about in your family, something you were open about, or, or was it really not discussed? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, we had liver cancer in my family. So we talked about it openly. Uh, it was my maternal aunt. So my mom's sister who died of liver cancer. So we, you know, would talk about uh, being careful and making sure we discussed that with our doctors, just in right. the family, but also, um, you know, in my culture, my background, Koreans are very into uh, well-being you know, eating healthy, you know, our food is generally very healthy. Mm. Exercise is a very regular part of just the culture. Um, so we didn't have anything in particular other than just culturally, right? Eating healthy is just part of our everyday lives. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say anything special, but I think it was common for us 
to um, prioritize health. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so kind of related to that then, even with being vigilant about knowing your risks and about being as healthy as possible and about preventative wellness, you still got cancer. That's right. Why, so why is that particular detail important from your perspective yeah. for us to share? Yeah, I think, you know, my story is no matter what risks you do know about your family and the healthy life choices that you make, even still breast cancer can happen to anyone. Um, and so I think I would encourage everyone to be even more vigilant about getting breast cancer screenings, you know, being diligent and regular with your breast cancer screenings, because as we all know, early detection is key when it comes to breast cancer. So don't put off your annual mammograms because you don't have a family history. And as I've gone through my own journey and my own diagnosis, I talk with a lot of my girlfriends, you know, who have now since because of me gotten screenings um, and since have found out they have the BRCA gene or a different gene that would put them at a greater risk for breast cancer. And so they're now taking measures to do what they can to prevent breast cancer. So no matter how healthy you know you are, right? And no matter uh, the healthy lifestyle choices that you make and the known risks that you have or don't have, don't put away or you know put off the opportunities to get your regular screenings. It's just even more crucial, no matter what your lifestyle is. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. That's so important. And so, so I also understand. Uh, I understand a lot, right? I, I feel like I've got all this intel on you, right? So, so I also understand that you have a young son, and I'm curious, like, how did you go about sharing this with him, and how open were you with him about what you were going through? Yeah, so obviously, like we talked about at the outset, I work at Komen, and I worked at Komen even before I knew about my diagnosis. So, my son, you know, having gone to Komen events. Right. And he was very familiar, even at the age of seven, which is the age that he was when I got diagnosed, was very uh, aware of breast cancer because of my role at Susan G. Komen. So when it happened to me, and, and he also happens to be pretty astute for a seven year old, and I knew that there was no way that we would not be able to tell him um, with the treatment plan that I was faced with. So we were very open with him about it. Um, and it was hard. It was probably the hardest thing that, you know, we had to do was tell our seven-year-old son. Um, but the clinic actually gave us uh, lots of pamphlets on how to tell your young child. And it was full circle because I was reading through some of the pamphlets and a lot of the material was uh, from Susan G. Komen, right? And the, the folks that gave me these pamphlets, they didn't know I worked at Komen. So right. it was really nice to see a lot of the work um, that our teams do, you know, I was on the beneficiary side of it this time. So I got a lot of talking points on how to talk to your young child about it. Um, there's also a book called Cancer or um, Cancer Hates Kisses. Mm. Um, it's a child's book that I think a lot of parents share with their child. So we actually got a copy of that. And I think that was very reassuring to him too. But, you know, even at a young age, I think knowledge is power and knowing takes away the fear factor, right? Yeah. And that's true for us too. Yeah. Knowing takes away the fear. So we told him, you know, what our treatment plan would be and, you know, that I was going to be okay, but 
that we would have to go through this treatment plan. And so we were very open and honest with him about it. And even though it was hard, especially at the beginning, I think as he saw that we were executing on our treatment plan, um, and frankly, he also saw other people in his life during my journey also get diagnosed with breast cancer and go through the same thing. And I think that actually helped that this mm. happens to a lot of people, but there are a lot of good treatments uh, and advances in treatments that help people like mommy with breast cancer and they get better. So yeah. the more he saw it in his life, it actually helped him feel reassured that I was going to be okay. Uh, that's great. That's great. So uh, as we talked about earlier, you're sort of just now out of treatment. And so thinking back on your treatment and on this, this whole process, I know family is a big support system for you. Were there any other ways that you were able to cope with and just sort of stay hopeful through the treatment process? 100%. It was my faith in God. Um, our family is one of deep faith. And so not just me, but, you know, all the prayers and the leaning that we did on our faith. Um, and like you said, obviously family, but friends, uh, my, you know, support of friends. I think I joke that we never ate as well as we did while I was going on treatment because every day there was a meal delivered for us um, and all of the goodie packages and just the cards and people checking in on you, you know, that goes a long way. So I think I would say my faith, family, friends, and then the support that we get and, you know, talking to people that have gone through the same journey recently was very helpful. So I had a handful of people that went through the same journey, but also a handful of people that were going through it at the same time as me. Mm. So all of those things were um, items and source of support that I leaned on. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And so, uh, so last question, as you know, and as I mentioned earlier, May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And we know that Asian American women have more delays in follow-up care after an abnormal mammogram as compared with white women. And so what final advice do you have for our listeners, particularly those of the AAPI community? Yeah. So I think within the AAPI community, there are lots of different community groups, right? So there's East Asians, there's South Asians, and there's a lot of differences even within the AAPI community, including health inequities, disparities, and things like that. But ultimately what binds all of us together, right, is that no one is uh, completely free of this risk. So it's what I said at the beginning is please go get your mammograms and don't ignore just because your particular family or your, you know, group, cultural group is low risk or high risk. It doesn't matter, right? That's kind of what I'm here to share is it doesn't matter. Please go get your mammograms because I am of what we would say low risk, right? But it happened to me. It can happen to anyone. And the earlier you catch it, the better our odds are and chances, not of just being cured, but just overall your treatment plan is less rigorous. So I would say, you know, don't be uh, complacent about getting your mammograms just because of your cultural background or because of your family risk. It can happen to anyone. Wow. I mean, Eunice, that was the perfect way to wrap up this show. Don't be complacent because of your cultural background or your family background. Go get tested, go get checked, 
go through the right processes, it can make a huge, huge difference in your life. Uh, Eunice, your story is amazing. Thank you for the work that you're doing at Komen and the impact that you're making. And thank you for sharing your story with us and in creating impact in that way too. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.